Hey there, Pounders. This is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's the first episode of the relaunch of the Superfluous Poppycock Podcast, a.k.a. episode 40. I've got Charlie Thaddeus with me here, and we are going to be discussing DeJounte Murray, the Marcus Aldridge playing the fr- the, the five, uh, also known as uh, Spurs Small Ball, which some of us never thought we'd see. White and DeJounte Murray playing together, or better yet, not playing together. How the offense is scoring without shooting threes, and some other stuff. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. We get to talk about Spurs. How could, what could be better than that? Yeah, I mean, the only uh, only thing I'll take issue with is I think that all of this foolishness is very necessary. <laughs> well, then, get me going. Well, you get to talk to Pop about that. He's the one who <laughs> who, who's, who used the phrase "superfluous poppycock" to begin with, although he wasn't talking about wasn't talking about podcasting. That's for sure. Yeah, I, hey. I, will, I will not be the first person to ask Greg Popovich about a podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine? Nah, I haven't heard my stripes on that one yet. I, I, can't, I can't see him podcasting. That's for sure. So the first thing that I'm going to, uh, to reference is the story that you wrote, uh, what we learned from the Spurs win over the Blazers. And towards the end... You had, a, you had a paragraph that I thought was just so choice. We have to begin here. You said, my favorite ongoing subplot of the Spurs season so far is Pop continuing to put up with the facade of being the only person not utterly charmed by every aspect of DeJounte Murray. DeJounte's got big, big Chance the Rapper energy. <laughs> He's all enthusiasm and love and positivity. He's practically dancing with excitement at all times on the floor just radiates how pumped he is to be out there. The crowd feeds off it and sends it back to him. And it's just one giant love fest. Anytime he does practically anything right up until he maybe gets a little too far out there over his skis. Lovely metaphor, by the way, maybe, maybe he takes one too many dribbles, maybe tries out a behind the back pass. It could have been a bounce pass, you know, any number of young guy mishaps, we all get to have a little laugh about or l- laugh at this bout of youthful exur- exuberance. But Pop, wow, Pop has lessons to teach. Then you use that uh, that tweet that uh, Jesus Gomez threw out there yeah, yeah. from 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 that game where Pop was just staring him down with that. <laughs> Get in the I mean, car. We'll talk about this when we get home. Expression, just so choice. Just a full stone face, Adam. Um, yeah, I mean, DJ's just great. He's pretty much the most exciting thing that's happened to the Spurs. I mean, this side of anything Monty's ever done. Um, I mean, even Lord knows I loved the choir as much as anyone else, but choir wasn't exactly uh, exciting. <laughs> I don't know if that that wasn't exactly the word anyone would use. You're to, saying you're saying that Kawhi is not exactly exciting in the same way that that the that the sea isn't above the sky. Uh, Kawhi didn't have chance to rubber energy. He barely had any energy. As uh, is how I would describe it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Dejounte is just he's he's been so much fun to watch this season, and I think that like pretty much every Spurs fan, we we were so sad about last season not getting to to 
watch him do his thing. And so it's kind of built up this pent up energy, both like with him and, and with all of us watching. And so every single second he's out there, it's just kind of, I, I feel like there's like a vibration almost like he's kind of vibrating to do things and we're kind of just like every time he gets the ball, you kind of see everyone sit up in their sit up in their seat as he runs down the court. It's, it's pretty exhilarating. And then you, <laughs> and then you look at, you look at Popovich and he's just, uh, again, full stone face constantly. And I get, I guess he's like that with everyone, but it's the juxtaposition is, is very striking uh, in this particular case. Cause we just haven't really seen anything like it before. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, remember the playoffs down the run, down the stretch run of the, the championship season in 2014 and, and Pop was pulling guys out of a out of a game, yeah. and and there was Tim Gun Tim Duncan walking straight <laughs> past him, and Dun- yeah, yeah. and Duncan just no nod, no nothing. Pop was yeah. just staring straight straight just, on past him. Just shifts in the night. <laughs> Let's do it. Just doing his thing, doing doing the pop. Well, it is, uh, I mean, I think that I think that Popovich is so interesting because I do think that he, I mean, he gets he's known as having this short leash on people, and I think he. He does in a sense, but he also does let, I mean, he grew into this with Monty, but he does let people be themselves. Um, they have some latitude to try things, do things, you know, explore the space a little bit. Um, but then especially with young guys, he does have that quick hook as if to like reinforce whatever he's trying to do. I mean, you can do all the behind the back passes you want on fast break. He did one the other night with uh, with Damar where he, yeah. he went down the fast break did the behind perfect. the back. Yeah. And he kind of like t- turned and looked at pop, like with his hands up and pop just didn't react. Didn't like, it was fine. It was cool. <laughs> and then I think it was like two plays later, he tried one again. And that was when he got subbed out. Uh, pop is pop, cool. Pop is cool with it. As long as you pull it off. Yeah. Listen, his, he, he loves, he loves it when things work. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. I think that Popovich as a, as a teacher is the most interesting aspect of his, of his, coaching personality right now because i mean he's 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 climbed every mountain that you can climb you know so whenever you talk about like why is why is he getting out of bed to get get to the gym every morning and do this and i think that i think what he really loves is people like dj and you know teaching these lessons and molding basketball players into being you know better versions of themselves and so i i think that for all of his his grumpy facade it's I think he's, I think he's loving this and I think he's having a great time with it, but it's hilarious to watch, you know, (laughs) happen in real time. Pop loves things to work and (laughs) and he loves to make his point. And, and this is an excellent example of it. He pulled DeJounte. He looked, he stared past him the whole time. And then as soon as that was done, he left it alone. He, Brought him back in. How long was DeJounte out of that game? What, 25 seconds, two possessions. He right. was back at the scores table already waiting to check in. Well, and I think that it's a testament to, you know, the, the team has run that he doesn't need to say anything in that moment. I mean, you're getting pulled out. You have to, like, that's the punishment. You're off the floor right now. But he doesn't need to, you know, go Serbian or anything. Like, he can, he can make his point without, you know, having some big blow up on the sideline and getting in everyone's face. Um, I mean that's um, that's what we all love about watching the Spurs is the way this way this system has sort of developed over the years. It has that infrastructure, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's it's 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 kind of a brave new pop in some ways. He, 
he's uh fine making his making his making his notice right yeah. doing his thing making sure that he's made his point and moving on uh, he really i think is is gotten to the point where his ability to give each guy just what they need is yeah. at that so sensitive it's, it's at that level where he's so sensitive to what they need right well, you also get the sense that, like, he he doesn't he knows that the game is not really where that lesson needs to be taught so emphatically. I mean, I, we don't see a lot of what goes on behind closed doors in film sessions and the actual practice sessions. But I think that he's that he he knows that the kind of on camera in front of the crowd and things like that. Like, that's not really where you need to like make that point. You know? Yeah, I think if there's any point that that I can take away from this and making a slight shift away from pop here, but staying on DeJounte is, is that uh, if the Spurs overperform for what most people thought they would be this year mm-hmm. and even beyond what, what we think they'll be this year, it's going to be because of DeJounte Murray. Right. He's, that, he's the X factor for sure. Yeah. I mean, his, his, the numbers, San Antonio's numbers with, with Murray on the court. And this is, this is from, uh, the, the story on the site earlier this week, the Spurs performance of the week, DeJounte Murray drops the mic. Uh, that is uh, his numbers. The, the Spurs numbers with Murray on the court. Points added per 100 processions through transition, 11.4, best in the league. Percentage of total possessions that begin in transition, 22.3, behind only one team. Transition points scored per 100 transition possessions, 154.5. That's the 97th percentile. So we're talking about being seriously elite in an area where the Spurs didn't just struggle last year, but in the previous seasons. Their fast break opportunities uh, have, have really, really struggled the last two years without Kawhi's steal and swoop, steal, right. swoop, and score. And and the fact that it's not just when DeJounte makes a steal that they happen, happening off defensive rebounds, and and the and the the Spurs are rebounding the ball this year. So it's 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 eye opening, shocking, and a little bit exciting to watch all this happen. I remember I remember feeling like a, it was a little surreal watching Kawhi come along going. Yeah, this guy's starting yeah. to do some superstar stuff out there. It, really, I mean, we can't go from Robinson to Duncan and then to Kawhi. I'm, I'm, right. This is wishful thinking, right? I'm feeling that again with Dejounte going. Is this wishful thinking, or are we really seeing this? I think Kawhi was Kawhi was interesting because he was such a slow burn. Like it, it felt like every year there would be like one little piece, like like. Oh, now he's shooting corner threes. Oh, now he's kind of got a little bit more range. Oh, now he's taking people off the trip. Like he he added like a little tweak every year. Sure. Where where before you knew it, it was the it was the finals in 2014, and he was outplaying LeBron. Like that that kind of you you saw it happening, but it was happening at a more gradual pace. And with I mean with DJ, it's been I mean I think that for from the second we drafted him, everyone was kind of like, oh, is this going to be our next? Is this going to be our next thing? We've all kind of, it's a weird thing to expect it and then also kind of have it happen 
all at once. I mean, like those numbers you were just reading out, it's not like the roster hasn't changed that much in the last two. Like <laughs> the, literally the only, I mean, I guess, I guess if you really are a big Davis, uh, that's a, that's a subtraction, but the only real like demonstrative dis, uh, difference is DJ. Like he's, he's the only thing that's been put in there and it's elevated all of these aspects of the game. And granted, we're very much in, in small samples in the theater right now, but, uh, no, 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 but it's, but it's hard to, I mean, you have to trust your eyes a little bit. It's hard to ignore how different the team looks when he's out there on the floor versus when it's not. Yeah. Before we go full DeJounte Murray Stan all over superfluous poppycock, we should probably stick a pen in this, come back to it, see how he's doing. I'm sure he's not going anywhere this year. Yeah. He better not be. Yeah. I got to keep him healthy. I love the way they're bringing him along. I hate to see him uh, off the court when I would love, when, Obviously, he's still ready to play, but keeping him keeping him healthy is is the number yeah. one concern, without a doubt. Let's shift gears here real quick and start talking about some things that were part of the discussion in the summer, definitely part of the discussion during the preseason, and and not just this season, but last year as well. As we were wondering, is this the year that we're finally going to see the Spurs go small ball? And and looking at the make of the up of the roster last season, we thought, man, there's 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 no way that they can't. And then, you know, <laughs> sure Tim, Tim and Tim and Pow to Tim and Pow to start the season, and then yeah. Tim and Jakob Pertle to, to to continue. And now with uh, Trey Lyles there, essentially having to play the four. I mean, you can't say that he's the center. We got Lamarcus Aldridge at the five. We've got as close to Spurs small ball to start the game as we've ever had, and Lamarcus doesn't seem to have any issue with, with it at all. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you go up and down the roster right now. There's, we just don't have the the dudes to not play lineups like this. Um, mm. There's just not. I don't think that. I mean, we, we, we played around a little bit with LaMarcus and Jacob together at the end of the year last year um, to varying degrees of success. But, uh, you know, it's, I think it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're in such a post position NBA at this point anyway. It's kind of hard to, I think that when you talk about LaMarcus's past reservations about playing, being labeled a center or playing the center position, um, I think that he, I mean, he's a smart guy. I think that he knows as well as anyone that he's, I mean, even if he's playing the center, what, what that really means is he's the tallest guy on the floor. That's, that's kind of how you define it at this point. And I think that he's comfortable with his role and what we're, you know, asking him to do. And, it, and it's a weird, we're playing small ball, but it's kind of a mutant small ball because I mean, as, as I'm sure we'll get to, we're, we're not, exactly spreading the floor or anything it's that's not really what's happening with with these lineups so it's an interesting uh curveball that we're we're throwing out there lineup wise but it's hard to know if it's by design or if it's by just you know that's those are the those are the guys we got mutant small ball yeah. man i gotta gotta tell you i love that yeah i i i think that there was always a little bit too much made of of lamarcus having a problem with the five uh, he he played it some the first year that he was he was here. You can there, there's a lot I think to be said for the way that the Spurs culture brings guys into it. It's it's not this browbeating thing that 
like like there's like there's some tenets that have to be memorized and, and and spouted off at a moment's notice. I think it's a little bit more in, in invasive. It's a little bit more subtle, and and bit by bit, Chinese water torture style. You eventually are are appreciating everything that the culture has yeah. from the inside as a part of it. Well, you have and, to see it sort of, you know, do good things for you before you buy, you know, it, hmm. it works, it works for you, but you kind of have to, it's hard to take that on faith if you didn't grow up in it, I think. Yeah. And, and the Marcus definitely didn't grow up <laughs> in it in yeah. the, in the first Spurs Spurs minute that Matt Bonner did with anyone uh, first, first game of the season, they were, they were out there. Uh, he was up. He was uh, talking with Lamarcus and saying, "You've been here six seasons now. Does it feel like home?" And that's the that's the thing. When you get to the point where it starts to feel like home, and you start to realize that this is where you are, and get used to it like that, I think it's I think it's really it it, it shows it shows how guys buy into the system and don't want to leave when they're here. Well, I think that there's there's a misconception that I think that pop is all about building this culture of selflessness where everyone's sacrificing for the team and always put the Spurs ahead of yourself and all. I I, I think there's a part of that, sure, but I think that like again, Popovich is a smart basketball guy and he's a fan of things working. And I think that what he's really trying to do is put everyone on the roster in the best position to succeed regardless of, you know, what their skill set is. I mean, the, the Spurs culture is one thing, but like we, like has been documented all over the place forever. We, the 2007 Spurs are light years different than the 2014 Spurs are light years different from the 2019 Spurs. You know, it's, it's a, I think Popovich is a guy who wants to use the best of your abilities to the best of his abilities, to the best of everyone's abilities. You know, he's a, it's a, it's a collective. And I think that that's hard to kind of grasp from the outside until you really in it and you see kind of the, the thing bear fruit. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've got uh, one more thing before we move on from LaMarcus. I, I remember a, a post that Michael Erler wrote after he, after Aldridge was signed in free agency. And he said, Popovich and general manager R.C. Buford are seldom wrong when it comes to judging the character of the people they bring in. It's a safe bet that whatever concerns or misgivings Aldridge has about his numbers will recede quickly once he absorbs the team's culture. Sooner than he realizes, he won't care much at all about his stats, but rather whether they won or lost. Then one day, it'll click that even that doesn't matter, that the relationships are far more important to him than the scoreboard, and that's when LaMarcus Aldridge will truly be a spur. I got to say, I think we're absolutely there without a doubt. Moving on to, yeah, moving on to the next point. Uh, Derek White and DeJounte Murray not Mm -hmm. playing together except for one possession, the final possession of a make or break game in clutch time. (laughs) Uh, What, what do you, what do you want to say about that? That uh, maybe you've said on the site before, but haven't, haven't talked about. Well, I think that I, I, I think that what Popovich is doing early in the season is is testing out, you know, testing out different lineups, seeing what works, seeing things like that. 
I sort of have the feeling that he he knows that that DJ and Derek together is going to be you know that's that's the clamps lineup. That's if he needs to stop, if he needs something to really get shut down, like that's that's what he deploys. And I think that it it's super early in the season. I think that he's going to use that when you know when we get to you know some more important games down the line, when we get to the playoff, like. I think he knows that works. I don't think he need, necessarily needs needs to see that. And I think that during the normal course of play, you know, their their skill sets sort of cancel each other. I get it's hard to play. I think it's hard to play. And we've talked about it a lot. Like it's hard to play Derek and DJ and Demar all at the same time because they they just don't spread the floor very. I, it gets real crowded in there, and they all kind of need the ball to be doing things. And so. I mean, you saw what happened when when Derek White kind of came in against the Blazers when we were down 19, 17, however much it was, and yep. really just put the team on his back because for whatever reason, the the starters weren't scoring. And, you know, you try something different, you put Derek in there, and he's like, well, sure, I'll go get 50 layups for the next 10 <laughs> minutes and we'll get back in this game. And I think, I think that it's valuable to – play those skill sets off each other. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think outside of certain situational uh, things, like especially, I don't know, maybe if it's down the stretch or something, you don't get a lot out of out of combining DJ and Derek. Uh, I mean, maybe once, I don't know. We, have, we haven't seen it, but... As long as they're not shooting threes. Right. Uh, I, I, I completely agree with you. White was... White was uh, White hit, White hit a three, DJ hit a three. I mean, like, these are all, yeah, right. but is that going to make the defense change its shape based on it, right? Yeah, the I, only thing that that, that is going to force defenses to change their, or force teams to, to change their shape is is the continuation of the kinds of, of transition numbers that DeJounte has s- spurred the Spurs to and... <laughs> That's the kind of thing that teams are going to go, we can't crash the offensive glass. We can't not get back in transition. We get like in, in breaking off plays, breaking off like guys running back as soon as they, they, they shoot. All that kind of stuff makes a difference in the effectiveness of the team's offense because they're concerned about the Spurs. That's, that's why I got to say, I think everything that DeJounte's doing is is firmly within himself mm-hmm. with with without a doubt the one thing that i was most happy about seeing in the way he's played so far through the first 3 games is is the fact that he can finish through contact now he's yeah. not just finishing at the rim which was, he was poor at before but he's finishing through contact and if he's able to run the break if he's able to move the way that he he is now all season long, I'm not concerned about regression because of his performance. The regression is going to be because the rest of the league responds to it. But you yeah. always give up something when you decide to take something away, and that helps the helps the Spurs defense. If if the offenses are are not crashing the offensive boards and are afraid of what happens when Dejounte's running down their throat. Yeah, and I mean, if if people want to, if people want to start collapsing on on Dejounte on the break and give some of our guys just wide open shots, I mean, I'll, I'll let I'll let people hang out with <laughs> wide open Demar Derozan 
mid-range shots, all day. I mean, we will we will score points that way. Bryn Forbes will knock down threes. Will Marcus will knock down shots. I mean, we have guys that can knock down shots, and I think we've shown this season that we can score. So if they're really just going to, I don't know, if people are going to overcorrect that much to Dejounte on the break, I think that's that's huge for us. That's a that's a massive advantage. Yeah, and that that brings up the next point: uh, shooting threes is the way that this offense is performing right now without the without the benefit of the long ball without shooting threes and it just I mean, they did it all season last year i think they wound up at, in in the sixth sixth best offense in the league and it amazes me that everybody loves to to dog on the spurs about their uh old school offense or attached to the mid-range but i think pop is showing once again that it doesn't matter what kind of offense you have as long as you were taking or as long as you were able to take advantage of what the defense is giving you and i think this is a i think this is an underappreciated point or at least it's not talked about as often as i would like it to be and that is and that is if the spurs are the one of the few teams doing what no one else does it makes it harder to defend them because nobody makes in-game, nobody makes pre-game adjustments for a regular season game, number one. And number two, if all you're doing is is chasing around teams that are space and pace, and here comes this team going, oh, you give me mid-range? Sure, I'll take that. And they can hit it at a high rate. It's not about whether a three is worth more than a two. It's whether you can shoot your shots at a high enough percentage to hurt the defense. And the Spurs are in the top 10, towards the top of the top 10, in effective field goal percentage, even though they shoot a lot of twos. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's crazy how effective the Spurs are being at this. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's always going to be, I don't know, I mean, you look at some of the numbers. I mean, last night, uh, last night Houston and, and Washington put up uh, – 150 148 a piece or something something just 158 absurd. 159 right yeah something something crazy like that and it's i think that it's always going to seem a little scary when you look at some of the numbers being put up around the league being like well shoot you got to you got to be able to score like you got to if if you don't get up over 110 a night like you're likely going to lose and i think that that's always going to seem daunting when you're when you're kind of running the gambit that the Spurs are running right now. And, you know, I think that the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot right now is the potential the Spurs have to be a significantly better defensive unit than they were last year. I mean, we, we kind of ebbed and flowed about being good or bad at defense all across the board last year, but, but they, we might be really good. They might be like, but you throw, I mean, DeJounte in there, you throw, I mean, he's one of the best defensive guards in the league right now. I mean, that's might be hyperbole, but, it, it, it feels like it based on the eye test right now. And if you can keep, if, if you're one of the best teams in the league that at stopping people from scoring, that's the, that's the secret ingredient to getting away with, you know, being a very efficient two point shooting team and winning in this league. And we're going to have nights, you know, where the shots just aren't falling. Oof, had that and, in the first half of the Blazers for sure. Yeah. And, and we're going to have to figure out a way to, dig ourselves out of holes like that. I mean, the answer might be, you know, have, get Derek White in there, have DeJounte and DeMar just attack the rim, attack the rim, attack the rim, and slow the game down and try and get high percentage shots that way. And, you know, try and just 
grind things out like that. And that can be effective too, but you're susceptible to, you're just always going to be able to susceptible to exactly what happened against the Blazers where all of a sudden Damian Lillard puts up 18 points in four minutes. You know, that's, it's, it's scary to not really have that club in our bag, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean we're not going to win a lot of games this year. No, 48 minutes worth of defense. You're going to see ebbs and flows. It, basketball is a game of runs. The way the team is playing defense right now is what I find incredibly encouraging. Uh, LaMarcus logged in five blocks the other night. Uh, yeah, DeJounte took a step to double team somebody, didn't double team him, but jumped with them and blocked them without even approaching the guy the other day. Right. I mean, he just reached out with his crazy long arm. When everyone's everyone's hands are so active. I mean, that yeah. that was the thing that stood out to me was there's lots of you know, not even not even swiping at the ball, but just you know, getting your hands in in passing lanes or in between people trying to do crossover dribbles, things like that. Like a lot of just balls on the floor because everyone's hands are just so active and moving around, and that's you know, that's that's so exciting to see as like a, as a trend that's happening right now. Yeah, and and if there's there's anything that that helps me. Uh, be excited about the way the entire team's playing together. It's it, it's the realization that uh, Demar Derozan's uh, out there knocking balls, slapping. You know, I mean he he was guarding the inbounds pass the other day and threw his hands up and jumped at the last second, got a deflection and created a turnover that way. And so everybody's doing what they can that they're able to do. Demar's not the best defender. But he's making a difference where he's able, and and that's he's a that's, great athlete. I mean, that's, hallmark. Like that's you know he's not an elite defender, but he's a really good athlete. And I think that you know you have a smart coaching staff and a smart scheme. They're going to put him in places that he can make a difference. I mean, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook's not an elite defender, but he make, causes a lot of havoc on the defensive end because he gets in passing lanes and he's active and he's running around and making things happen. You know that. I, there's no reason Arduino can't do that for this defense. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so those are our topics. We're gonna gonna end with uh, with with this episode's unnecessary foolishness. If you want to bring some necessary foolishness, you can. I I'm I'm really glad about the way that Demar and Lamarcus are, are playing right now. But in game one, at the at at the very beginning that. DeRozan was just having just a, a really horrible game, and the and the unnecessary foolishness that occurred to me was that uh, there's there's a bit of rust, there's being covered from head to toe in oxidized iron, and shoot, then there's Demar from opening night, those first few quarters, it's an entirely different level of of uh, of rust there, and I'm glad that he shook it off, and I'm glad that he's playing as well as as well as he is and leading the team and. And, and scoring and Lamarcus playing so well, but I had to drop that. How about you? You got any unnecessary foolishness before we call it a day? I mean, uh, I've sort of been writing about it a little bit, and I, I plan on tracking it all year. But uh, currently, my favorite thing, non DJ and pop related, is watching uh, watching new assistant coach Tim Duncan adjust to the uh, the perils of dressing like an adult on the sidelines. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. it's genuinely one of my favorite things maybe in the world he you just have never he's been made fun of for his fashion choices for so long that the baggy jeans the cargo shorts the kind of just 
looking like a 16 year old well into his <laughs> look but he's he's come out with this post-retirement look with the he's he's skinny he's got the dreadlocks he's kickboxing and now he's kind of he's wearing these super big like brooks, brooks brothers suits that are just it's just fascinating to to watch on the side i can't get over it sometimes i get distracted during during the middle of plays just being like watching this big hunched over guy sitting next to tiny becky hammond over there and it's 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 great it's 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 such a nice flavor to add to the spurs uh you know general spursiness right no doubt i i love i love big fun's uh, haircut for sure but uh, the way watching him mix it up so far in the home games has been a blast. And now we're going to see how that translates to the road and whether or not he's got somebody ironing his clothes or whether those collars are going to pop all the way up around they're, his they're chin. They're sneaking out. They're sneaking out every single game. And he's got to get some collar stains or something. Do you, do, you think, do you think he's going to wear a tie? Do you think we'll ever see that over the course of the season? He hasn't yet. Tim Duncan it. doesn't wear ties. I, this is... Yeah, this but he didn't better. wear he didn't wear suits before this though. So like everything's changing. It's all different. Man, you know what? I'm this is this is the kind of prop bet that uh that, that Vegas is famous for, right? I yeah. I don't know how to I don't know how to put it over on. I, I think that he's he's gotta show the willingness to wear to wear a tie once and then we can start putting over unders for the rest of the season. Oh, my goodness, how oh. many times? Right now I would put the over under at 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 half, right? Because I, I think I, I think that's I think fair. Whether or not we see it once or not yeah. uh great stuff man yeah we'll be watching we'll be watching uh later on tonight this this episode's uh being being recorded uh late in the afternoon on halloween so later on uh we'll be able to to ha- come back and talk about tim duncan's road fit and see <laughs> what what he pulled out of his uh out of his wardrobe uh for for the uh for the clippers and Warriors game, but that's going to do it for this episode of Superfluous Poppycock. Until next time, keep safe and let it fly. Let it fly.